Chapter Nine, Part Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Five by Eugène Sue. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. The Lion's Den, Part Two. An uproarious noise made by the prisoners in the yard interrupted the skeleton's council. Nicolas rose hastily and went to the door of the room to discover the cause of this unusual tumult. It is the Gros Boiteux, said Nicolas, returning the gros boiteux exclaimed the prévôt and has germain come down from the visiting-room not yet replied barbillon then let him make haste said the skeleton and i'll give him an order for a new coffin the gros boiteux whose arrival was so warmly hailed by the prisoners in the lion's den and whose information might be so fatal to germain was a man of middle stature but in spite of being fat and crippled he was nimble and vigorous his countenance brutal like that of most of his companions was of the bulldog character his low forehead his small yellow eyes his flaccid cheeks his heavy jaws the lower being very projecting and armed with long teeth or rather broken fangs which in places projected beyond his lips made his resemblance to that animal the more striking he wore a felt cap and over his clothes a blue cloak with a fur collar the gros boiteux was accompanied into the prison by a man about thirty years of age whose tanned and freckled face appeared less dissolute than that of the other prisoners although he affected to appear as dogged as his companion from time to time his features became overcast and he smiled bitterly the gros boiteux soon found himself amongst his boon companions and acquaintances and he could scarcely reply to the congratulations and kind words which came to him from all sides what is it you old boy all right now we shall have some fun you haven't hurried yourself still i have done all i could to see my friends again as soon as possible and it was no fault of mine if the stone jug didn't claim me sooner don't doubt you old boy and a man doesn't pick out a jail as his favourite residence but once trapped he does his best to be jolly and so we shall be for pic vinaigre is here is he what one of the old customers of melon why that's capital for he'll help us to pass the time with his stories and his customers will not fail him for there are more recruits coming in who are they why just now at the entrance whilst i came in i saw two fresh chaps brought in one i didn't know but the other who wore a blue cotton cap and a grey blouse i have seen before somewhere he is a powerful-looking man and i think i have met him at the ogresses of the white rabbit i say gros boiteux don't you remember at melun i bet you a wager that in less than a year you would be nabbed again to be sure i do and you've won but what are you here for oh i was caught on the prigging lay at american ah always in the same line yes i continue in my usual small way the rig is common but there are always culls and but for the stupidity of a pal i should not be here however once caught twice warmed and when i begin again i will be more careful i have my plan ah here's cardillac said the boiteux going to a little man wretchedly dressed with ill-looking aspect full of craft and malignity and with features partaking of the wolf and fox ah old chap how are you ah old limper replied the prisoner nicknamed cardillac to the gros boiteux they said every day 
he's coming he's not coming but you are like the pretty girls you do as you like yes to be sure well replied cardillac is it for something spicy that you are here now yes my dear fellow i had done one or two good things but the last was a failure it was an out-and-out go and may still be done unfortunately frank and i overshot the mark and the gros boiteux pointed to his companion towards whom all eyes now turned ah so it is it's frank said cardillac i didn't know him again because of his beard what frankie why i thought you'd turned honest and was at least mayor of your village i was an ass and i've suffered for it said frank quickly but every sin has its repentance i was good once and now i'm a prig for the rest of my days let em look out when i get out what happened to you frank what happens to every free convict who is donkey enough to think he can turn honest fate is just when i left melun i'd saved nine hundred and odd francs yes that's true said the gros boiteux all his misfortunes have come from his keeping his savings instead of spending em jolly when he left the jug you see what repentance leads to they sent me en surveillance to etampes replied frank being a locksmith by trade i went to a master in my line and said to him i am a freed convict i know no one likes to employ such but here are nine hundred francs of my savings give me work my money will be your guarantee for i want to work and be honest what a joke well you'll see how it answered i offered my savings as a guarantee to the master locksmith that he might give me work i'm not a banker to take money on interest says he to me and i don't want any freed convicts in my shop i go to work in houses to open doors where keys are lost i have a confidential business and if it were known that i employed a freed convict amongst my workmen i should lose my customers good day my man wasn't that just what he deserved cardillac exactly you simpleton said the gros boiteux to frank with a paternal air instead of breaking your ban at once and coming to paris to melt your mopuses so that you might not have a sou left but be compelled to return to robbing you see the end of your fine ideas that's what you're always saying said frank with impatience it is true i was wrong not to spend my tin for i have not even enjoyed it well as there were only four locksmiths in the temple, he whom i had first addressed had soon told all the others and they said to me as had said their fellow tradesmen no thank ye all sung the same song only see now what it all comes to you must see that we are all marked for life well then i was on the idol of etampes and my money melted and melted continued frank but no work came i left etampes in spite of my surveillance and came to paris where i found work immediately for my employer did not know who or what i was and it's no boast to say i am a first-rate workman well i put my seven hundred francs which i had remaining into an agent's hands who gave me a note for it when that was due he did not pay me so i took my note to a huissier who brought an action against him and recovered the money which i left in his hands saying to myself there's something for a rainy day well just then i met the gros boiteux true well frank was a locksmith and made keys i had a job in which he could be of service and i proposed it to him 
i had the prince and he had only to go to work when only imagine he refused he meant to turn honest so says i i'll arrange about that i'll make him work for his own interest so i wrote a letter without any signature to his master and another to his fellow workmen to inform them that frank was a liberated convict so the master turned him away he went to another employer and worked there for a week same game again and if he had gone to a dozen i'd have served him in the same way and if i had suspected that it was you who had informed against me answered frank i'd have given you a pleasant quarter of an hour to pass well i was at length driven away from my last employer as a scamp only fit to be hanged work then be respectable so that people may say not what are you doing but what have you done once on the pave i said fortunately i have my savings to fall back upon so i went to the huissier but he had cut his stick and spent my tin and here was i without a feather to fly with not even enough to pay for a week's lodging what a precious rage i was in well at this moment comes the gros boiteux and he took advantage of my situation i saw it was useless trying to be honest and that once on the prig there's no leaving it but old gros i owe you a turn come frank no malice replied the gros boiteux well he did his part like a man and we entered upon the business which promised royally but unfortunately at the moment when we opened our mouths to swallow the dainty bit the traps were down upon us couldn't be helped you know lad if it wasn't for that why our profession would be too good yet if that vagabond of a huissier had not robbed me i should not have been here said frank with concentrated rage well well continued the gros boiteux do you mean to say that you were better off when you were breaking your back with work i was free retorted frank yes on sundays and when you were out of work but the rest of the week you were tied up like a dog and never sure of employ why you don't know when you are well off will you teach me said frank bitterly well you've a right to be vexed for it was shameful to miss such a good stroke but it is still to be done in a month or two the people will become reassured and it is a rich very rich house i shall be sentenced for breaking my ban and so cannot resume the job but if i find an amateur i will hand it over to him a bargain my woman has the prince and there is nothing to do but make new keys and with the information i can give it must succeed why there must be at least four hundred livres to lay hands on and that ought to console you frank frank shook his head crossed his hands over his chest and made no reply cardillac took the gros boiteux by the arms led him into a corner of the yard and said to him after a moment's silence is the affair you have failed in still good in two months as good as new can you prove it of course and what do you ask for it a hundred francs as earnest and i will give you the word arranged with my woman on which she will hand you the prince from which you can make the false keys and moreover if the thing comes off i shall expect a fifth share of the swag to be handed over to my woman that's not unreasonable as i shall know to whom she has given the prince if i am done out of my share i shall know whom to inform against 
and very right too if you were choused but amongst prigs and cracksmen there's honour we must rely on each other or all business would be impossible another anomaly in this horrid existence this villain spoke the truth it is very seldom that thieves fail in their faith in such arrangements as these but they usually act with a kind of good faith or rather that we may not prostitute the word we will say that necessity compels these ruffians to keep their words for if they failed as the companion of the gros Boiteux said all business would be impossible a great number of robberies are arranged bought and plotted in this way in jail another pernicious result of confinement in common if what you say is sure continued cardillac i can agree for the job there are no proofs against me i am sure to be acquitted and in a fortnight i shall be out let us add three weeks in order to turn oneself about to get the false keys and lay our plans and then in six weeks from this you'll go to the job in the very nick of time well then it's a bargain but how about the earnest i must have something down here is my last button and when i have no more yet there are others left said cardillac tearing off a button covered with cloth from his ragged blue coat and then tearing off the covering with his nails he showed the gros boiteux that instead of a button mould it contained a piece of forty francs you see i can pay deposit he added when the affair is arranged that's the ticket old fellow said the gros boiteux and as you are soon going out and have got rhino to work with i can put you up to another thing a real good go the cheese a regular affair which my woman and myself have been cooking up and which only wants the finishing stroke only imagine a lone street in a deserted quarter a ground floor looking on one side into an obscure alley and on the other a garden and here two old people who go to roost with the cocks and hens since the riots and for fear of being robbed they have concealed behind a panel in a pot of preserves a quantity of gold my woman found it out by gossiping with the servant but i tell you this will be a dearer job than t'other for it isn't hard cash and all cooked ready to eat and drink we'll arrange it be assured but you haven't worked over well since you left the central yes i have had a pretty fair chance i got together some trifles which brought me nearly sixty pounds one of my best bites was a pull at two women who lodged in the same house with me in the passage de la brasserie what a daddy micou's yes and your josephine just the same a real ferret as ever she cooks with the old couple i have mentioned to you and so smelt out the pot with the golden honey in it she's nothing but a trump i flatter myself she is but talking of trumps you know the chouette yes nicolas has told me the schoolmaster did for her and he has gone mad perhaps from losing his sight through some accident but i say old fellow it's quite understood that you will buy my two bargains and so i shall not speak to any one else don't and we will talk them over this evening well and how are you getting on here oh we laugh and play the fool who's prevot of the chamber the skeleton he's not to be joked with i have seen him at martial's in the ile du ravageur we had a flare-up with josephine and la boulotte by the way nicolas is here 
so micou told me when he made a lament that nicolas was putting the screw on an old hunks why what else were receivers made for here is the skeleton said cardillac as the prévôt appeared at the door of the room youngin come forward said the skeleton to the gros boiteux here i am he replied going into the apartment accompanied by frank whose arm he held during the conversation between the gros boiteux frank and cardillac berbillon had been by order of the prévôt to select twelve or fifteen of the choicest prisoners who in order to avoid the suspicions of the turnkey had come separately into the day-room the other detenus had remained in the yard and some of them by barbillon's advice had appeared to be disputing in order to take off the attention of the turnkey from the room in which were now assembled the skeleton barbillon nicolas frank cardillac the gros boiteux and some fifteen other prisoners all awaiting with impatient curiosity until the prévôt should open the business barbillon charged with the lookout placed himself near the door the skeleton taking his pipe from his mouth said to the gros boiteux do you know a slim young man named germain with blue eyes brown hair and the look of a noodle what is germain here inquired the gros boiteux with surprise hate and anger in his looks what then you know him said the skeleton know him replied the gros boiteux why my lads i denounce him as a nose and he must be punished yes yes replied the prisoners are you sure it was he who informed against you asked frank suppose it was a mistake we mustn't ill-use a man who's innocent this remark was displeasing to the skeleton who leaned over to gros boiteux and said in his ear who is this man one with whom i have worked are you sure yes but he hasn't gull enough too much trickle in him good i'll keep an eye on him tell us how germain turned nose said a prisoner yes let us know all about it gros boiteux continued the skeleton who did not take his eyes off frank well then said gros boiteux a man of nantes named velu a freed convict brought up the young fellow whose birth no one is acquainted with when he had reached the proper age they put him into a banking-house at nantes thinking they had put a wolf to watch the money-box and make use of germain to do a bold and great stroke which had been meditated for a very long time there were to be two coups a forgery and a dip into the strong chest at the bank something like a hundred and fifty thousand francs all was arranged and the velu relied on the young fellow as on himself for the chap slept in the room in which the iron safe was velu told him his plans germain neither says yes or no but reveals all to his employer and the very same evening cuts his stick and missiles to paris the prisoners burst into various murmurs of indignation and threats he's a spy knows informer and will have the bones out of his body if it's agreeable i'll seek a quarrel with him and settle his hash silence in the stone jug exclaimed the skeleton in a tone of command the prisoners were silent go on said the prévôt to gros boiteux and he went on smoking believing that germain had consented and relying on his assistance velu and two of his friends attempted the job that same night the banker was on the watch one of velu's friends was taken as he was entering a window he himself escaping with difficulty 
he reached paris enraged at having been sold by germain and foiled in a splendid affair one fine day he met the young fellow it was in the open daylight and he didn't dare do anything but he followed him found out where he lived and one night we two velu and little ledru fell on germain unfortunately he escaped and then changed his residence in the rue du temple where he lived we were unable to find him afterwards but if he is here i demand you have nothing to demand said the skeleton in a tone of authority the gauboiteur was instantly silent i take the bargain off your hands you will concede to me germain's skin and i'll flay him alive i am not called the skeleton for nothing i am dead alive my grave is dug and i run no risk in working for the stone jug the informers destroy us faster than the police they put noses of la fosse into la roquette and the noses of la roquette in the conciergerie and they think themselves safe now mind you when each prison shall have killed its informer no matter when he may have informed that will take away the other's appetite i will set the example and let others follow it all the prisoners admiring the skeleton's resolution closed around him barbillon himself instead of remaining near the door joined the group and did not perceive another prisoner who had entered the room this individual clothed in a grey blouse and wearing a blue cotton cap with a red worsted border pulled down over his eyes started as he heard the name of germain mentioned and then mingling with the skeleton's admirers gave out loud tones of approbation at the deadly determination of the prévôt what an out-and-outer the skeleton is said one the devil himself is a fool to him this here's what i call a man if all were like him wouldn't the flats be afeard he'll do a real service to the stone jug and when they see this the noses will look blue and no mistake and since the skeleton is safe to suffer why it'll cost him nothing to put a nose out of joint well i think it's too bad said frank to kill the young chap why why exclaimed the skeleton in a savage tone no one has a right to protect a traitor yes to be sure he is a traitor so much the worse for him said frank after a moment's reflection these latter words and gros assurance put the doubts which the other prisoners had entertained against frank to rest the skeleton alone continued to mistrust him and what are we to do with the turnkey tell us dead alive for that is your name as well as the skeleton said nicolas with a grin we must draw off his attention somehow no we'll hold him down by main force yes no silence in the stone jug said the skeleton there was complete silence listen to me said the prevot in his hoarse voice there is no means of doing the thing so long as the turnkey remains in the day-room or the walking-yard i have no knife and there must be a few groans for the sneak will struggle well what then why this pic vinaigre has promised to tell us to-day after dinner his story of gringalet and cut in half it rains and we shall all come here and the sneak will come and sit down there in the corner as he always does we'll give pic vinaigre some sou that he may begin his tale it will be dinner-time in the jail 
the turnkey will see us quietly employed in listening to the miraculous mystery of gringalet and cut in half and will suspecting no harm make off to the tap as soon as he has left the yard we shall have a quarter of an hour to ourselves and the nose will be cold meat before the turnkey can return i will undertake it i who have done for stouter fellows in my day in mine i'll have no assistance mind your eye cried cardillac and what about the huissier who will always come for a gossip amongst us at dinner-time if he comes into the room to listen to pique vinaigre and sees germain done for he will cry out for help he's not one of us the huissier he's in a private cell and we should mistrust him is there a huissier here said frank the victim as we know of a breach of trust by maître boulard is there a huissier here he repeated with astonishment and what is his name boulard replied cardillac the very man the identical villain cried frank clenching his fist it is he who has stolen my savings the huissier inquired the prévôt yes seven hundred francs of mine you know him and has he seen you inquired the skeleton i have seen him worse luck but for him i should not be here these regrets sounded ill in the skeleton's ears and he fixed his malignant eyes steadfastly on frank who replied to several of his comrades questions then stooping towards the gros boiteux he said in a low voice this is a freshen who might tell the turnkey no i'll answer for his not informing against any one yet still he has his scruples about going the whole hog and he might aid germain in defending himself it would be best to get him out of the yard i'll do it said the skeleton and then aloud he said i say frank won't you pitch into this thief of a lawyer won't i that's all well he's coming and so look out i'm ready and he shall bear my marks we shall have a row and they will send the huissier to his room and frank to the black hole said the skeleton in an undertone to the gobateux we shall thus get rid of both what a lucky pitch why this skeleton is a prime minister said the boiteux admiringly and then he added in a loud tone i say shall we tell pic vinaigre that we shall avail ourselves of his history to come over the turnkey and throttle the sneak by no means pic vinaigre is too soft and too cowardly if he was up to the thing he wouldn't tell the story but when the job is done and over he'll bear his share the dinner-bell sounded at this moment to your puddings dogs said the skeleton pic vinaigre and germain will soon be in the yard now mind your eyes boys they call me dead alive but the sneak is also dead alive end of chapter nine read by celine major